Welcome to Practical Witch Talk. I'm your host, Friday Gladhart. This episode is about the spices of autumn. Why do we associate cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, clove, and the other pumpkin spices with the autumn and winter seasons? It's not just a recent trend. Let's dive into some of the possible reasons for this seasonal association. These spices were brought to Europe around the 1300s from the Spice Islands. The Spice Islands refers to the Banda Islands. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. It may be Banda. B-A-N-D-A. They are a group of small Indonesian islands in the Banda Sea. The soil is really volcanic, rich in minerals, and has outstanding fertility. Two archaeological digs from 2007 and 2009 discovered ceramics containing nutmeg residue from 3,500 years ago, demonstrating it's been part of our human history long before Starbucks pumpkin spice latte. Nutmeg was sourced from these islands for centuries, and the trade of spices has changed the world. Nutmeg is a good example of how the spice trade has significantly impacted our history. Uh, The Dutch, in their quest for more nutmeg, traded their colony in the Americas, known as New Amsterdam, to the British in exchange for one of the Spice Islands. You might have guessed where I'm going with this, as New Amsterdam is now known as New York. But before we go down that rabbit hole, or instead of going down the rabbit hole of how human history and plants are interwoven, uh, let's divert back to why we associate certain spices with autumn and winter. As temperatures cool... We turn to warm beverages, newly harvested pumpkins and apples, and of course the warm spices of cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, and ginger. Many of these spices are from South and Southeast Asia, and in traditional Ayurvedic medicine from these areas, these spices are recommended to help warm the body and to protect from chills. Pepper and cardamom are also used to warm the body, and when I make ginger snaps, I add a small pinch of both black pepper and black and ground cardamom to give them a subtle kick and complex aroma. As these spices were imported, traders carried on this medicinal information from the source. So the tendency for these spices to appear in cool weather recipes may have its roots in Ayurvedic medicine. In the book History of Food, and bear with me while I mispronounce and slaughter this name, but in the book History of Food, the author Toussaint Samat writes that the 13th century alchemist or physician, more alchemist, uh, his name was Arnaldus de Villanova. Anyway, he recommended balancing the four humors of the body by eating spices proper for winter. And proper for winter for him meant ginger, clove, cinnamon, and pepper used in sauces. The reference here to what we know as black pepper uh, doesn't refer to chilies or capsaicin. It wasn't until later that pepper from the Americas was added to Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine. The quest for spices such as black pepper led explorers to the Americas where the chili capsaicin was billed to be the next black pepper for traders, but I digress. Modern science shows us that there is some truth in the sensation of heat as our TRPV1 gene, also known as the capsaicin receptor, and the vanillinoid, or what is it called? Vanilloid. Vanilloid receptor 1. Sorry, my memory is not as good as it used to be. Uh, It's triggered by many of these spices. It's the gene that's responsible for the detection and regulation of body temperature. Anyway, I'm digressing again. 
Much of the spice trade was timed by the seasons by necessity. Traders didn't want to travel in potentially harsh winter, so late summer and early autumn may have been when these spices were most available and most affordable. Over the centuries, the spices were added to mead, ale, wine, and of course cider, and once considered exotic and affordable only to nobility. As the time passes, we see these spices making their way onto the tables of workers and tradespeople. Now, there's a caveat here. They're still considered very costly. Even today, uh, the retail price of a, a non-Dollar Tree version of just a can of pumpkin pie spice from my local Kroger was about 3 or $4, and the Spice Island brand was about 7 or $8. Uh, so they're still a little spendy, but... Even a few hundred years ago, they were still considered, although not quite as exotic, they were costly enough to be reserved for the most important seasons. Uh, and at that time, of course, that was Christmas, Yule, and later on, uh, the United States Thanksgiving. Cookbooks from the 1800s had recipes for pumpkin pie with these warming spices in them. But it wasn't until about the 1930s that spice companies began selling these pre-blended pumpkin pie and apple pie spice blends. When you consider the harvest season, think about your local farmer's market. The fresh fruits and vegetables reflect the seasonal bounty we use in our kitchens and we place on our altars. Pumpkins are ready and, of course, go perfectly with sweet or savory dishes with ginger. Apples are in season and go perfectly with cinnamon and cloves, and cider presses are getting a workout and are just waiting for you to come swoop up some cider from a local market to make your own mulled cider or spiced cider. Here in the South, sweet potatoes are ready, and as part of my practice of living harmoniously with my area, I use steamed sweet potatoes in place of pumpkin when I make pumpkin pie. I prefer the flavor, and I'm able to use less sugar in the recipe. None of my friends or family have ever guessed, well, until now, the real secret of my fabulous pumpkin pie, or rather sweet potato pie, shh, is, is that it has no pumpkin in it at all. But shifting gears for a bit, let's talk about the basic pumpkin pie spice. The blends will vary widely, but nearly always contain cinnamon and ginger. After cinnamon and ginger, most blends will also include cloves and or nutmeg. More expensive blends, but not necessarily better, will contain mace and allspice. Now, mace is the reddish outermost covering, also known as an aril, A-R-I-L. Uh, it's an outside covering, very beautiful, by the way. You should look it up on uh, Wikipedia or just do an image search through Google or where have you. But uh, mace is just beautiful in its natural form. And when it's still covering a nutmeg seed, it's really quite astounding. But mace, it's the reddish uh, arrow of the nutmeg seed that is separated from the seed, dried and sold as a separate spice. The flavor is uh, difficult to describe, very similar to nutmeg in many ways, but it has a slightly different aroma, much more complex, a little fruity. Uh, there's a part of nutmeg that to me is very cloying, and can make me a little nauseated. So when I want more of that, mm, it's hard to explain, but when I want more of that subtlety, I add, I add mace. Anyway, apple pie blends are nearly identical to pumpkin pie blends, but the apple versions are heavier on the cinnamon and allspice and a little bit lighter on the ginger. 
I don't know why. I prefer a lot of ginger in my apple pie, but apparently that is not the U.S. trend where we want a mild, sweet, spicy, but not hot kind of apple pie. We usually have the, the warmer ginger added to pumpkin. But read the ingredients on your spice blends. I usually add additional ground ginger and allspice to my recipes when I use a pre-blended uh, pumpkin pie or apple pie spice because they're, they're, both of these blends are usually shy on these two ingredients. The warming spices are excellent for magic that corresponds to love, friendship, comfort, safety, prosperity, and relaxation. After adding allspice and ginger to a pre-made blend, I will charge my pumpkin and apple pie spice blends with intentions before baking with them. As a final note, uh, this is just a quick podcast. So as a final note, I encourage you to experiment with these spices as we get into the autumn and winter holidays. Try adding a pinch or so of both finely ground black pepper and finely ground cardamom to your next gingerbread or ginger snap recipe. If you're making pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie, Try using a kitchen rasp to add a tablespoon of fresh ginger pulp to your recipe. I hope that you guys have a fun time exploring these spices for the season. If you have been turned off by pumpkin pie spice in the past, try making your own and try using it uh, with a more moderate hand. I think that it is often heavily used and many, uh, many of the blends on the market or prepackaged foods that contain pumpkin pie spice actually have a lot of synthetics in them. And the reason for this is we have over half a billion dollars annually spent on pumpkin pie spiced products. And honestly, there just isn't that much spice to go around. So a lot of times there are some synthetic substitutes in your blends and uh, they may have turned you off rather than the actual spice itself. Give it a shot. And I welcome your feedback. Thank you for listening to the Practical Witch Talk podcast. Uh, again, I do welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. And you can contact me through practicalwitch.com. This has been a production of Practical Witch in cooperation with Witch Academy. You can support this podcast through Patreon and subscribe through Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other streaming services. A special thanks goes out to my patrons for their support. Becky, Lindsay, and Chris, and Arkansas, Arkansas's finest stores, Strange Brew Occult Shop in Fort Smith, and the Parlor Metaphysical Store in Hot Springs. If you'd like to learn more about witchcraft, plants, tarot, or hear me rambling more, check out witchacademy.org. Blessed be.